So our scripture today is in Galatians chapter 6, and we're actually going to finish our study today. Let me read this passage to you, and then we will have our testimony and message today. Galatians chapter 6, beginning in verse 11. Paul says, see what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh." But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers, amen. I've asked Haley Thomas to come this morning and share her testimony to begin our message. Good morning. When Pastor Lee asked me to share my testimony today, I went home and I prayed for one, the Lord to just speak through me, but because I am a crier and I cry about literally anything and everything. So sorry in advance if you cannot understand me because I am choking on my own tears. But my name is Haley Thomas. My family has been coming to the church for a little over than 10 years. I was very involved came every Sunday, Wednesday, would even do Monday night Bible studies, and I would do retreats and church camps, and I was very involved. I would have told you that I was a Christian, but I was not. I very much enjoyed my sin. In fact, in high school, I was known as the crazy party girl, and I would just adapt to whatever people thought of me. If you thought I was mean, I was mean. If you thought I was nice, I was nice. But it was funny because I actually put a label on Christian girls in high school. I would call them Jesus freaks. And I thought that Christians didn't know how to have fun. They were goody two-shoes who didn't like to drink. And so I thought that they were no fun, boring, But after I graduated high school and when I went to SFA, I told myself I wanted to be different and I wanted to change, not for me, but because I knew that being friends with a group of Christian girls were going to be good friends to me. And I wanted to be labeled as the good girl instead of the bad girl who liked to party. So I wanted to change my whole identity. Long story short, that did not happen. I joined a sorority, and I got back into the party scene. And it was very not fulfilling at all. I was drinking and going to parties probably about four to five days a week. 
I was failing my classes, and I didn't really care about anything other than my friends and having fun. I wanted to live the college life. But by the third month of going to SFA, I was beyond exhausted. From partying, from getting cute every day, to just wanting people to look at me in a certain way, I was exhausted. I was weak, and I let the devil put a lot of lies in my head. Insecurity, loneliness, fear, and doubt, I was very lost. I told my parents about kind of what was going on, about the lies that the devil had put in my head, and they encouraged me to do a Bible study or talk to God and listen to more worship music and kind of fill my brain things that are going to be glorifying. So I did. I started to do Tuesday nights occasionally, and I started to listen to worship music, and it helped, but I still never had had the heart change. One night, I went to a party, and at the time, my lock screen said, God is good. And so I went to this party, and I had my phone in one hand, and I had an alcoholic beverage in the other, and there was about 40 people in the house, and a girl from across the room who was my friend at the time yelled at me, Haley. And so I look over, thinking something's wrong, and she looks at me, and she says, God is good, right? talking about my lock screen, and I said, yeah, he's amazing, and she said, looks like it, and points to the drink in my hand, and at the time, you know, I was embarrassed, and I probably cried, and, but looking back at it now, I realized that I can't live for two worlds, or two gods at the same time. I can't live for the creator and the created at the same time. I have to be all in or all out, but I didn't realize that at the time, so the next day, I got very intoxicated, And I was out with friends, and I was with a group of them, and they dropped me off at my apartment. Well, my apartment was on the third floor with no elevator, and they just dropped me off all by myself. And so as I'm walking up all by myself, very intoxicated, I'm falling, I'm stumbling. It's taking me at least 20 minutes to get in my room. And I get in my room, and I get in my bed, lay down in my bed with the clothes I went out in, And I just remember laying there, looking up, trying to focus on the ceiling, but it was so hard and I couldn't because I was so dizzy. And I just remember crying and sobbing and being like, God, I am exhausted. I am tired of living like this. God, I don't really know who you are, but I want to get to know you. Help me. And so the next day, or two days later, I got asked to do a Bible study. And my now mentor shared the gospel with me. And for the first time, I actually understood the gospel. Like I said, I had heard the gospel hundreds and hundreds of times from church camp and church and Bible studies, but this was the first time I understood it. This is the first time I actually understood that God sent his son to die for me, a sinner who is not even worthy to kiss the ground that he walks on and who is deserving of his wrath, and who is deserving the death that he paid for me. And then he rose three days later, defeating death so that I could have a relationship with him, so that we get to have a relationship with the creator of the universe who is everything good. He is love, he is joy, he is peace, he is slow to anger, and he is the source of our contentment. 
He is perfect, and he wanted a relationship with me. He wants a relationship with us. After I realized this, I felt the weight of my sin, and I realized that sin separated me from God, and I didn't want to do anything that separated me from him. I no longer wanted to live for me or for the world, but for the one who made it all. After my life that day, or my life since that day, has never been the same, and I would be lying if I said that my life is all sunshine and rainbows because it's not. I still have pain, I still get very stressed out, and I still get lies from the devil daily and still get tempted by sin. And if I'm being honest, it has been harder living in this world since becoming a Christian because I don't fit in anymore. I am going against the world. I'm living for a holy God. But I know now my life has purpose. Some verses that I wanted to, some verses that I love and wanted to share is Psalm 4, 7. And it says, you have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvests, harvest of grain and new wine. Psalm 6, 3 says, my soul thirsts for you. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back himself through Christ. I was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, and now I get to see in color. I have been changed from a ruin to a treasure. I have been, for, I have been given a hope and a future, and I was dead, but now I get to live forever because of him. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. I won't be able to do better than that, and I'm not even going to try. There you go. All right. Thank you, Haley, for sharing what the Lord's done in your life. Beautiful on the outside, but now beautiful on the inside. That's the new creation, and that's what we're talking about today. It says in verse 11 here in chapter 6, Paul says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. What are the large letters about? Well, some believe that it was about Paul getting up in years and eyesight issues. That, that's logical. That's perhaps a possibility. Others say that because of the subject that he's been dealing with, he is now writing in large letters for emphasis. You really listen to me here, he's saying. That sounds pretty good as well, I think. I think when you write a letter and you want emphasis, you might write it a little larger. You might underline it. You might make it in bold if you're typing in your computer to emphasize something. But I think probably the best answer for the large letters is that he is emphasizing who he is. He is Paul. He is the Apostle Paul. He is the one that was blinded on the road to Damascus and given the assignment to take the gospel to the world. He is the expert. He was the expert in Judaism. He was a man of the law. He understands the law backwards and forwards. He, he had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. So he 
went to the school of Gamaliel. He, he rose to the ranks, and he was really, really important. And he was really zealous about defeating the way, which is the way of Christ, for being able to keep the power for the Jewish faith. And so I think that's what he's saying here, especially when you look at verse 17. Verse 17, let's jump down there. And if I could imitate perhaps Liam Neeson, I might try to do that today. Because verse 17 is definitely a Liam Neeson line for a good movie. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. From now on, from now on, I've had enough. From now on, I don't want to hear this anymore. From now on, I better not be bothered with this nonsense about turning away from our glorious Jesus Christ and the, the walking by faith and walking under grace and going back to the law because it doesn't work. It's not what I've been teaching. And you have allowed the they that we've talked about in our study of Galatians to come along and dupe you. I'm tired of you being deceived. I'm tired of you being fooled. You need to listen to me, he's saying here. And so he says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. He says, because no one can measure with me their walk with Christ. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Now, the marks of Jesus, what's it about? All the suffering he's been through so that he has been poured out for the gospel, the good news. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned. He's been poisoned. With, he's been snake bit. He has been hunted down like a wild animal. He, 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 he never could stay in the same place. He was much like Bonnie and Clyde when they were on their heyday, having to sleep in a different place every night, moving around because he was a marked man. And he said, if anybody has earned the right to teach you, it's me. After all, those who've been teaching you, one of the reasons why they've been teaching you that you need to be circumcised is because they're afraid of being persecuted for the cross of Christ. He said, I'm not afraid, and I've hung in there for you, and so I want you to understand from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. And so I think that's what the large letters is all about. Verse 12 and 13, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Verse 12, he's telling them what their deceptors are all about. They're about religion. And religion is always about looking good on the outside and not concerned with the inside. We struggle with religion. We all struggle with that. We struggle with how we look on the outside. We struggle with image. We struggle with how other people think of us. We struggle with that. And, and, and Paul wants them to get over that because Paul understands that it's detrimental to our walk with Christ if we're more concerned with what people think of us than what God actually thinks of us. We're not concerned with what God thinks of us. 
We just want to look good. We want to fit in. We, and, and so that's a religious position that these people have that are saying you've got to be circumcised. You've got to fit in. At all costs, you've got to fit in. You heard Haley say this morning, I don't belong in the world anymore. That is the result of dying to yourself. It's a beautiful thing not to belong in this world anymore. That's what Paul is teaching here in this Scripture. And so religionists want to look good. Religious want other people to make them look good. And that's what Paul is saying in verse 12. And he's saying they don't want to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Verse 13, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. And so marks of religion is look good, not be persecuted. And we see here hypocrisy. They were asking people to do something that they didn't do themselves. Hypocrisy, putting on the mask. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They're missing out. They're missing out. They want to look good. They want to be included. They want to be part of the machine. They don't want to be ostracized. They want to be able to do business. They want to get along. They want their family to be well-received in their community. And they understood that if they took a hard-line position that said that circumcision counts for nothing, they would be ostracized. They wanted nothing to do with that. And so they're saying, you need to keep the law. You need to do these things that we're telling you to do. And they themselves didn't do it. That's the height of hypocrisy. Then verse 14, boy, Paul really gets down to the nitty-gritty here in verse 14, I think. He says, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What else is there to boast in, he says? What can you boast in? I mean, can anybody one-up the cross of Christ? Can anybody one-up that sacrifice? Can anybody one-up that love? No. No one can. There's never been a story in all of history that can one-up what Jesus did for us on the cross. And that's what he's saying here. He said, the only place we have to boast is in the cross of Jesus and what he's done for us. Not who we are, not what we wear, not how often we go to church, not how right we are, not how moral we are, not how Christianized we are, not because you know all the stuff and you do all the stuff and, 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 and you're in the in group of religion. He says nothing compares with what Jesus did for us on the cross, who I am crucified to. I was crucified with him and I am crucified to the world. And so Paul says, I've died. I'm no more. What you're reading, what you're following, what you're believing in, I died to that. I died to man's effort to be right with God. We all got to get there now. We all got to get to the place. If you have to unlearn stuff, if you have to rethink through things, you've got to get to the place for the best of Christ. What he has to give you is take away human effort and recognize that you are right with God, not based on what you have done, but what he has done for you. And that's the key to the 
to the joy, to the love, to the victory, to the overflowing of the Spirit in our lives. And that's what Paul says here. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Verse 15, he gets to the height of the message of Galatians once again. He's been saying the same thing in different ways, but with basically the same thing over and over and over. And we have been going through that, and basically it's the same message over and over and over. But obviously it's got to be told over and over and over for people to understand it. And so not at all apologizing for the repetition that we've seen here in the book of Galatians, because obviously it needs to be repeated over and over for us to be able to receive it. So the sheep can hear the shepherd's voice. And he says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision. So there's two things here. You can be circumcised and you can be counting on that. It's of no value. Or you can be uncircumcised and you can say, I didn't choose to be circumcised, and that decision is of no value either. And so what, what counts, what matters, what's of value here? Just a short phrase, but a new creation. So it's not what we do, and it's not how we do it. It's who we are. And so the question that we should ask ourselves, are we churched? Are we Christian? Have we professed? Do we go to church? Do we read our Bible? Do we pray? You can pray five times a day. You can face Jerusalem and pray. Nothing wrong with that. But not if you're counting on it to matter more than being a new creation. And that's the question that everyone needs to ask themselves. Have I become a new creation? Am I a new person? Am I a new person? I've I've been listening to a few of the devotions that the Duck Dynasty man, Phil Robertson, has been giving on the the TV there. And I, I enjoy his perspective. I enjoy kind of his... His stuff, how he says it, the way he says it. I like what he has to say. And he tells a story. When he was, he wasn't born again until he was 28 years old. And he was rough. He said in his own words, he said he was a liar. He was a cheat. He had anger problems. He had love problems. He didn't know what love was. He mistreated Miss Kay. He was not kind to his children, and, and pretty much he would fish all day or hunt all day and, and, and sell the fish and, and sell the meat and those kind of things to have a little money to go to the tavern at night. And evidently out there in the country somewhere, there was a tavern that he would go to nearly every night, and that's where you would find him. And, and Miss Kay had enough, and they had a preacher that they knew well, and she talked him into going and visiting with him, and it was, a, it was not a healthy situation for that preacher to walk in that bar and sit down by Mr. Robertson and talk with him about faith in Christ. Phil said that he was rude to him, mean to him, and, and threatened him. 
But the guy kept on coming, and he kept on sharing the words of the gospel with Phil. And as time went on, the seeds of the gospel began to take root in Phil Robertson's heart. And he believed in Christ. He believed in Jesus. He became a new creation. And he said that he was sitting out back of his house one afternoon, and two friends that he had run with, two friends that he had known for a long, long time, came to see him. And they were checking up on him because he hadn't been to the tavern in so long. They wondered what in the world had happened to Phil Robertson. And Phil Robertson says that when he saw those two guys, he knew what they were after, he knew what they were doing, and he said, I told him right away, the fella you're looking for died. The fella you're looking for died. I know why you're here. You're here to check on Phil Robertson, but Phil Robertson died. He gone. He's no more. He is dead. You're not going to get anywhere with the new Phil Robertson who took his place. And, and when I heard him say that, I, I I heard that about three or four weeks ago, and to be honest with you, I said, I can't wait to tell that on Sunday morning when we're talking about the importance of the new creation because that is what that new creation talks about. Crucify with Christ, died to the world. We die to Jesus Christ, and we die to the world. We die to ourselves. Jesus said to all the people that wanted to be his disciple, he says, look, if you're going to be my disciple... You've got to take up your cross. You've got to deny yourself, and you've got to follow me. You've got to die. You've got to die. You don't live anymore. It is no longer you. Look over in Galatians 2.20. Nathan, I think, talked about this when he preached this sermon. It looks at Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. I'm dead, Paul said. I died. The fella you're looking for died. We had his funeral. We had his funeral when we put that sucker under the water. And when he came up, he came up a new person. He's no longer here. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And he goes on to say, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, it's not about going to church. It's not about being a good person. It's not about becoming a better person. It's just not. It's not about being better. It's not about reaching some moral, you know, level that we can celebrate. Being a Christian is... We die. We are crucified with Christ, and we're raised up a new person. So it's not about religion. It's not about rules. It's not about history. It's not about culture. It's not about, you know, tradition. It's about are you a new person? Are you a new person? You need to have some new person understanding for Christian salvation, Christian salvation. If you go to San Angelo, Texas today, and you find any old people sitting around in the Mexican food joint and say, do y'all know Lee Brewer? 
you'll hear this more than not, we can't believe he became a preacher. I love that because it says he died. That guy died. That guy was corrupt. He was miserable. He was angry. He was, he was just unsocial. He, was, he, was, he lacked sophistication. But all oh, now he's got all the sophistication of the world. I love that phrase. The fella y'all are looking for, he died. The fella that took his place, he's different. So Paul says to the Galatians, look, it ain't about being circumcised. It ain't about being a Gentile or being Jewish. It ain't about morality. It ain't about all those things. It's about being a new creation, a new creation. How about you? Is that your testimony? Have you become a new creation? If you haven't, right now what's taking place is the Holy Spirit. I know this without a shadow of a doubt because this is his desire. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you strongly right now. You have heard a beautiful testimony from Haley, a testimony of what it's like to become a new creation. She said it. She went to church. She did all the things. She did all the things that we expect everyone to do, but doing all the things that we expect everyone to do is not becoming a new creation. Becoming a new creation is when we acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord of all. We confess our sin to him. We repent of our sin, but all that is wrapped around the fact that we die. And I believe that in Nacogdoches, of all places, she died. And a new person came home. Born again. Washed clean. Forgiven of all her sin. And, and what? What a bright future God has given Haley because she's now a new creation. Amen. What is the Lord saying to you this morning? May you respond. May you just turn your life over to him. May you be encouraged if you become a new creation already. But today, may you become a new creation if you haven't become one yet. It's not about being circumcised. And it's not about rejoicing that you're not circumcised. It's about being a new creation. Heavenly Father, I pray your spirit will speak to each one here today and they will hear your voice. They will know your voice. Your Holy Spirit will convict, will help, just help people, Lord, to come to terms with you and be born again, die to themselves, to be raised up a new creation. Lord, help that testimony be our testimony, everyone's testimony from this day on. That fella, that gal you're looking for, they ain't here. They died. They died. We celebrate you today, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.